Strap on the boots and scrape up the knuckles. Oh, what a hit! He got jacked. This is the Big Red Ring. Presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Murray's going to score. Touchdown. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. <laughs> the Rage is brought to you by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800 State Farm. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. The Red Sea is rising up! Temperature rising, vision blurring, rage taking over. Here's Paul Calvisi. I'm ready. I'm 100% ready. I'm telling you I'm ready. And Ron Wolfley. It doesn't get any better than that. Unleash the fury! It's Thursday night football times three. An NFL doubleheader, and this was the night before preseason opener edition of the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. We are Santan Ford, specifically Paul Calvisi, Ron Wolfley, and soon to be joined by Pat Elfline, Cardinals Veteran Center, because come on now, everybody wants to be an offensive lineman, right? I mean, who doesn't want to be an offensive lineman? Yeah, well, uh, you know what? Certainly not Pat Elfline, because I could tell you, Paulie, right now, he reminds me so much just looking at him of Gene Gene the Coke machine. Gene Chilton, right? Go ahead and Google that one, Paulie. I remember the name. Not exactly sure what the comparison is. <laughs> Two big dudes who played center. I mean, thick guys who played center. Very interesting. Well, I need to get, personally, I need to get to the bottom of the whole cram the ball vertical mantra and motto. <laughs> from, I love that. From ball. Jonathan Gannon. So we, we got to ask the guy who's going to be snapping the ball and uh, who loves to come off the ball like all offensive linemen do. So that is straight ahead on this edition of the Big Red Rage. Okay. Here's the thing, Wolf. Yeah. The last padded practice leading into this preseason opener against Denver Friday night at home. Grandma Calvisi, when I was a little kid, oh, she'd no. be making the sauce in the kitchen, right? Okay, right. And I, I used to ask her, Grandma, how do you know when the spaghetti sauce is ready? Yeah. You just know. You just know, youngin. You know, you just – when you were at that last padded practice and we had three mini skirmishes – that almost led to three brawls. Yeah. You just knew <laughs> the time is right to finally hit someone in another uniform. Yeah, absolutely, Paulie. I don't know about you right now, but I am so jacked up for tomorrow night. And what might happen tomorrow night? Not not particularly who's going to play, Paulie. Seriously. I know there's a lot of people out there that really care for a lot of that stuff. For me, it's nothing to do with the who. It's the how. <laughs> it is literally what kind of schemes are you going to run, right? What kind of personnel groups are you going to run out onto the field? How many times, Paul Calvisi, will that quarterback actually walk up under center and take a snap? What kind of plays are you going to run? Protections that you're going to use. I cannot wait to see this because I expect to see it all tomorrow night. That's the one thing about JG. I expect to see it all. Okay, that's interesting because there are two ways to go if you're a brand new team, brand new staff with a team, right? That's exactly right. Two ways. 2019, what did we see? Absolutely nothing (laughs) from Cliff Kingsbury. Right, no way. To the point where it was a detriment in that first half against the Detroit Lions. Remember his gallows humor? The week after, I thought I was going to get fired at halftime. Yes. Because they kept everything under wraps. 
to the point where they didn't get enough work in their own offense. Yes. And when they came out against Matt Patricia and that Lions team, that you know what they wondered for the whole month, what's coming? Well, guess what? The Cardinals were their own worst enemy by keeping it under wraps and not repping it. Absolutely, Paulie. And this is the beautiful thing about what we've seen so far in training camp right now. We have seen a lot of the quarterback under center. We have seen a lot of power personnel groups. We, we've seen 22 personnel, two backs, two tight ends, believe it or not. We've actually seen that. Not a lot of it, of course, but we've seen a lot of 12 personnel, one back, two tight ends. We've seen a lot of 13 personnel, one back, three tight ends. We've seen those power personnel groups, and we've seen power schemes, blocking schemes being run, zone schemes, of course, being run. We have seen the gamut so far. And this is what is fascinating to me. When you put a quarterback under center, Paul, everyone knows what you're going to do. Yeah, there's only there's only two things you can really do. You can run the ball, of course, and you can act like you're going to run the ball in rundown situation, first and ten, second and one to six, and then you're going to throw the ball using play action. The problem is, can you stop it? The problem is, if that offense executes very, very well in terms of running a play action pass or actually running the ball, can you stop it? That's the question. It always has been. And that's the other option. You show everything. And based on what we've seen in camp, they've run the spread with five wide. They've run 13 personnel. Everything. So I'm guessing we're going to see a little bit of everything tomorrow night. Now, as for who we see, that's still a question mark, although Jonathan Gannon did share with the media that he does expect Colt McCoy to get snaps. So if your starting quarterback is going – what does that mean about some of the other personnel? I said it yesterday. I'll say it again. I would not play James Conner. I think he looks regular season ready. There's too many injuries behind him already in the running back room. That's just me. Does Buda Baker really need yeah. preseason games? He ended last season with an injury. I don't know but if you want to be again, extra cautious there to start this season. Once again, though, Paulie, you know, you, you've got a brand-new scheme and a brand-new system. True. Is it really going to hurt James Conner if he gets three reps out there? Was it really going to hurt Buda Baker if he goes out there in the first series and actually makes three calls maybe in the secondary and goes out and just reps something very basic? Listen, I understand. Might get hurt in those three plays. Wolf might actually – listen, um, football players play the game. And so it is going to be very interesting to see which way he goes tomorrow night. Sean Payton, for what it's worth, has already told the Denver media his starters are going 15 to 18 snaps. That's amazing. Russell Wilson included. So when you look at this Broncos game, the preseason opener, if you're the head coach of the Cardinals, Jonathan Gannon, he was asked, all right, what are your goals in this debut? I want our guys to go out and compete. And then really, just from an organizational standpoint, like, hey, you know, does everyone understand exactly their role on game day and how their roles fit into us winning and losing games? And we have to execute those things, and I'm sure there'll be some bumps in the road, but everybody that's a part of game day impacts game day. So um, I think it's clearly defined for everybody. Boy, what, what did you make of that, Paulie, right there, where he was actually saying, because it almost sounded like he was talking about the players first, and then maybe even the coaching staff after that. I wrote, does everyone understand what your role is and what your responsibility is on game day? Well, Very interesting. Even the very top of the coaching staff, a brand-new offensive coordinator calling plays for the first time. Yes. Brand-new defensive coordinator calling a defense for the first time. You have rookies that you're seemingly going to count on, guys like Michael Wilson who had the wherewithal to tell our Darren Urban, azcardinals.com, that you can do great in practice, 
but you are measured and judged off how you perform in a game, quote, end quote. (laughs) Nothing has been more true in the NFL. Yes, you are measured and judged by what you do in these games. Are you a difference maker? Are you a playmaker? I asked Dennis Gardeck yesterday in the locker room. I said to him, I said to him, look, what are the rookies about to find out that you already know, that all the veterans already know? They said, you know what? It can get, it can get pretty amped up in practice, but there's nothing like game speed. Mm. All the players figure out a different gear when it comes game time. So, right. yes, that's going to bring some pressure for these young guys. There's no doubt about it. In fact, the rookie head coach was asked if he feels pressure. You know, I got this one from one of the team doctors. I thought it was awesome. You know, people say, hey, are you feel any pressure, you know? And um, you can take that all different ways, how you interpret that. But I thought he said it best, pressure is a privilege. So I kind of thought that was pretty cool, and we talked to our guys about that. But, um, no, I'll be in the moment. I'll be excited. And, but I got to function on game day to give us a chance to win. So I got to lock in and do my job. I mean, Wolf, what do you think his power pole is of things he wants to see? For me, it's got to be the cornerback room. It's got to be D-line. D-line, definitely. Offensive line as well. Running the football. Are you having any type of success running the football, attacking the line of scrimmage? That is going to be an integral piece to the puzzle for the Arizona Cardinals on offense. That's what I'd be looking at, number one. Attacking the line of scrimmage. And are we capable of doing that? I'd also say getting to the quarterback. Are are your edge guys winning one-on-one battles? Because yeah, I'm guessing Nick Rawls isn't going to be dialing up a lot of complicated blitz schemes. He just wants to get a sense. Can his defensive front win one-on-one battles? Can it, can a Zayvon Collins truly use all that potential? You know, How ready is he to yeah. be a starting outside linebacker, for example? That's something I'm going to be looking at as well because so much of that is scheme. What, what do the Arizona Cardinals do schematically, Paul? How much cover three are they really going to play? Three deep zone, four underneath, rush four, right? How, that's very popular across the National Football League at this point in time. And you need reps. You need to get this stuff on tape. Offensively, defensively, and in transition, Paul, you need teaching tape. It's critical. Here's the other thing you can only get in a game these days in 2023, tackling. You don't tackle to the ground in any practice during a training camp these days. So which running backs can break tackles? We're not talking about practice, man. man. We're, we're talk- talking about a game. We're talking about DBs tackling in the open field, okay? They need practice. Can they do it? Are they willing to do it? Put their nose in there. Hey, single game tickets on sale now. Go to azcardinals.com slash buy tickets to secure your seats today. Again, Cardinal Center Pat Elfline joining us a little bit later when we come back. This offense, what's it going to look like? What did Hollywood Brown reveal to the media as to what it might look like? That is next. It is a Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Murray looking, fires right side, and it's caught in the end zone. A touchdown, Greg Dorch. That is big time from Dorch and Kylo. Snap to Murray, quick throw left side. It's caught at the one and into the end zone. For the touchdown is Greg Dorch. Give to Greg Dorch. He's across the 40 to the 45, 50 into Tampa territory. Inside the 45, spinning his way to the 42-yard line. Greg Dorch with more energy right now than the entire Tampa defense. (laughs) There's a big chunk run. Pass to the left, caught by Dorch. First down of the 50. Far side, 40, 35, 30. Cuts back to the right, 25, 20. Dorch still to speed, 15. This is the one thing that is undeniable about Greg Dorch. Every time he gets the opportunity to play, he makes 
place. As the players say, facts. He's making plays every single day at camp. Yeah. Now, he still might be the fifth or even sixth receiver on this roster. I just wonder how long before that changes, before he gets serious traction on a depth chart. Because when he got opportunities last year, Ron Wolfley, Greg Dorch was a playmaker. He was a difference maker. Welcome back into the Big Red Rage, Paul Calvisi, Ron Wolfley, Pat Elfline right around the corner, Cardinal Center. But Greg Dorch picked up this offseason and this camp right where he left off last season, did he not? Yeah, he did, Paulie, no doubt about it. That's why the personnel groups are going to be very interesting to watch. Um, I imagine the Arizona Cardinals are going to use a lot of 11 personnel one back, one tight end, three wide receivers. Will he be one of those three wide receivers in that? Because I see a, a hard road for him if, in fact, he's trying to crack the 12 personnel group, which I expect to see an awful lot in rundown situation for the Arizona Cardinals. One back, two tight ends, two wide receivers. Those two wide receivers could be Mike Wilson, of course, and Hollywood Brown those two guys and that's why it might be tough to get a lot of those reps in the last two years rondale moore has been ahead of greg dorch playing the same position so it almost went one or the other when rondale moore was healthy greg dorch basically got zero reps but rondale moore missed nine games last year yes. gave dorch a lot of opportunity to make some plays and compile some stats yes the best ability is availability yeah. Paul. And to your point about tight ends, um, we've already heard the numbers from Kyle Vandenbosch. He did the homework. He, he, he drilled down the analytics. And Drew Petzine, you co- he comes from a Cleveland offense that was top three in 12 personnel and number one in 13 personnel. So there will be tight ends. There is no, as soon as they get healthy, there will be tight ends out on that field. There's also going to be the saying, cram the ball vertical from the head coach, <laughs> Jonathan Gannon. You know they're going to run it. Uh, and, and it's been a process. Because as Zach Ertz told you in the offseason, this scheme couldn't be any more different, quote-unquote, than the previous scheme. Here's the new offensive coordinator, Drew Petzing, just on the players and the learning curve. I think these guys have really embraced that challenge, certainly the language, the understanding of what we're asking them to do, the technique that goes along with that. And then in, in terms of the evolution of the offense, I think my understanding of who we have out there has improved. So trying to start tailoring it to the guys that we think are you know, better or have a little bit more ability to make plays, that's where the offense has to go, and I've certainly tried to embrace that here as we've gone through camp. See, that is going to be really interesting to watch right there, Paulie, because of that very thing. you got to tailor it to the talent that you actually have. You can't be dogmatic to a point where you're out there, well, we're going to go three tight ends. That's what we're going to do. But if you really don't have three tight ends, maybe you don't want to go that route as much as you may have uh, done in Cleveland. So it's really one of these deals where, listening to Drew, he's talking about getting to know the talent that he has and the players that he has and the players they can depend on, more importantly. And then we'll get a better feel for where this offense is headed. That's one of the reasons why tomorrow night in the first preseason game, in every preseason game that they play, I can't wait to see what they do because they're really not trying to tailor it towards the player now. They're really not doing that. They want to see these are the schemes we want to run. And by the way, can you execute the schemes that we want to run right now? But that's very telling as well because you see a little bit into the window of the soul of Drew Petzing. What is the saying that him and Jonathan Gannon use, adapt or die? Yes. That if you're not multiple, you become predictable. And that is how you die in the NFL. Because a predictable offense is just way too easy to defend, especially in today's day and age of defensive coordinators. And let's face it, what did we say each of the last three years, December and January? Adjust to the adjustment. 
Was yes. there enough adjusting by the Cardinals offense the last three years? How many times have you heard me say, Paulie, that I, while playing for the Cleveland Browns, Bill Belichick would just come over after, you know, three drives, three possessions, maybe even two possessions in the first quarter and say, okay, listen, guys, everything that we practiced all week long, forget about it. <laughs> this is what we're going to do. Honestly, right. Paul, he would do that. And that's the reason why he would go out in the offseason and look for smart, tough, disciplined football players. That's what he would do because he knew he was going to do that in the middle of the first quarter. He knew he was going to come over and go, okay, I know we practiced this all week long. Forget about it. That's out the window. This is what we're going to do. And he'd start greasing it up right there on the board. I mean, you've got to be able to adjust, Paul. You have to be fluid. So – when an Isaiah Simmons or a Jalen Thompson tells the media that the difference with this coaching staff is they feel like they're playing free. And when I went around the locker room and talked to a few veterans about that, they shared that, you know what, they're allowed to be decision makers, that there is the scheme, there are the rules, but you're able to react because you never quite know what you're going to encounter snap to snap, drive to drive. So you try and equip the players to not only be playmakers, but to be thinkers out there as well because you can't give every player every possible potential outcome on every snap. Yeah, and, and you want you want players to be free out on the field. There's no doubt about it. But remember, Paulie, they must execute their assignment. They have a job to do, and if they don't do it, you're – free falling yeah it can't ball. be it can't become freelancing I guess, is what you're saying right okay <laughs> okay no okay. i went tom petty yeah. i went free falling ball I, I get it all right so you know what uh that begs for a segue right here and here's my question because people ask me about this cardinals offense okay as i hit zoom out and i tell them you know what i think they have enough playmakers i think they have enough at receiver especially now with zach pascal they have five very different receivers I think they have a, definitely have enough at running back, two-time Pro Bowler James Conner, who looks excellent. If they fix the offensive line, if they fix the offensive line, I think they have enough to be a threat on offense. That's going to be interesting, Paulie, the offensive line. You and I have talked about this all training camp right now. I do believe the offensive line may be the passapartout, the key that unlocks all locks for the Arizona Cardinals this year. And the reason being is because, again, they've got to be able to run the ball. They've got to be able to protect the quarterback, especially when Kyler Murray is out there playing quarterback. But if you can run the ball, that means you're also probably going to be really good at throwing the ball using play action and protecting your quarterback. If that happens, I think the Arizona Cardinals will score points. To your point about them having enough playmakers, I'm with you on that one right there. It's the offensive line that really holds the key. That's why there's a couple of training camp battles, the left guard position, I would say, and even center. I would throw that in there. I would agree with that. I mean, the known is DJ Humphreys and Paris Johnson Jr. Those are the bookend tackles. Will Hernandez, the right guard, has looked good in camp. In fact, he got real close to starting a brawl with Kaiser White, so you know he's regular season ready. He was finishing blocks to the echo of the whistle. And he looks like he might be about 340 (laughs) instead of 350. Yeah, I'm not going to disagree with that. But when you see the Cardinals, on a single team drill, 11 on 11, and Pat Elfline, who's coming up right around the corner, and John Gaines are switching off from guard to center, snap to snap. You realize that they're trying; they're still in big time evaluation mode. Yes. When you see at least three different left guards over the course of a practice, including Kelvin Beecham recently, you realize they're trying a whole different 
uh, array of formulas and how much they value positional versatility as well. Let me just say this. Absolutely, position versatility is huge right there. J.G. talks about that all the time, especially on the offensive line. That's what he wants. He says if you can't move, if, you, if you're if you a left tackle and you can just be a left tackle, you better be a good one. You better be a good one, right? If you're a center and that's all you can do, you better be a doggone good one right there. He wants that position versatility. Hey, you know, a great way, great way to get ready for the preseason opener tomorrow night at home against Denver, 7 o'clock game time, by the way. Episode 60 of the Dave Pash Podcast features Cardinals' new OC, Drew Petzing. Great stuff. They get into some real detail about the NFL in 2023, what scheme the Cardinals are going to run, what to expect. Just check your preferred podcast provider or via Twitter at PashPod. Pat Elfline is next. Wolf, you're intrigued by his Ohio background. I mean, Ohio State All-American. He's a Remington Award winner. He's a top center. He's got a national championship. Can he bring some of that to the Arizona Cardinals? That is next on the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. The offensive line, they're busting grapes up there, coming off the ball, getting some movement at the point. You know, I think that's part of the process being a first-year staff is trying to identify your best five and make sure they're out there, but also build that cohesiveness because communication is a huge part of the offensive line. And some of it's verbal and some of it's not. And so being able to play next to someone and anticipate their reaction and their communication before it happens is important. So I think the sooner the better, but we're not going to rush it because at the end of the day, if we don't put the best five players out there, we're doing a disservice to our team. That's the OC on the O-line, and it sounds like it's TBD. At least that's what we're being told here at Cardinals camp. We're all on a need-to-know basis, including you, Wolf, even after your 10 years and four Pro Bowls. Come on now. you're not funny. Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. That's why I'm immediately going to outsource it to our guest, center Pat Elfline, joining us here. And, uh, Pat, I'm just going to ask you one question off the top. We'll get into everything else, but you're fresh off a padded practice. It's a little chippy. Dare I say, the most intense practice at Cardinals camp. How close was it to a brawl out there between the O-line and D-line? Because you guys teetered close a few times. There were a couple of shoving matches. Guys were rooting and tooting a little bit out there. Uh, yeah, we're, uh, we're in the middle of training camp right now. So uh, Wolfie can attest to this, that it gets intense, especially in the trenches. But, you know, we're really trying to keep the, the team first, you know, before our individual selves. So, yeah, it might get a little chippy, but – you know, the guys know that, that fighting is not going to make us better at the moment, but there is, you know, we're playing with an edge on both sides of the ball, which is what you want in the trenches. Speaking of an edge, I've got to start with this, Pat. Pickerington, Ohio, oh. right? Is is Pickerington, Ohio edgy at all? What's it like to grow up in Pickerington? Yeah, Pickerington is a, it's a good place to grow up. Um, I got a little bit of my edge just from, from my brothers and my dad. Uh, my dad is a brick mason, so growing up, you know, he had us on the job site every weekend, every day, whenever he needed help. So we kind of learned, you know, how to do some dirty work early and uh, kind of set the tone. And he's still – he's 62, and that dude is still grinding. So he's he's still setting the tone, and uh, we're following his, uh, you know, following his, his tone setting, so – Pat, that is incredible right there. I, I did, that work ethic, did that teach you anything? And did it carry over to the game of football? Oh, yeah. It just, you know, it uh, taught me how to get the job done and get the job done right. 
and and literally whatever it takes until the job's done and where you're starting at 6 a.m and you're ending at 8 p.m and it rained all day and you're wet and you're tired and you're going back the next day so that's kind of he showed me that when i was at a young age and uh Still trying to keep up with that. I'd that like mentality. to shake his hand because I bet you it's callous. His isn't hand it? <laughs> is one giant callous. <laughs> one giant. It's it's ridiculous. But he's a, he's a great dude. Um, yeah, he's he's awesome. So but, check this out. I still remember interviewing Jerry Rice a long time ago, the world's greatest receiver. His dad was a brick mason. He said he developed his hands working with his dad because <laughs> his dad would drop bricks down to him, and every broken brick was money off the bottom line yeah, for the family. No doubt. Yeah, you, you don't want to waste any, but you also can't put any bad bricks, you know, on your wall because then you ain't going to look good. <laughs> but, yeah, making mortar, sending that stuff up the scaffold, carrying bricks, tearing out concrete, all that stuff. My dad actually references Jerry Rice a lot, just his work ethic. He's like, work like Jerry. You know, wow. he was always wow. doing extra work. Jerry, or that's what my, you know, always doing extra work. So he's like, he, he'll still reference that today. Pat, what is your NFL experience? What has it been like? You're going into year seven, right? Year seven. Year seven. Yeah. You're 29 years old, yeah. correct? What has it been like so far? It's been a hell of a ride. It's been a ton of fun. Um, very intense. Met a bunch of my very best friends. Been through a bunch of highs, a bunch of lows, injuries, came back, back out there fighting. It's a hell of a time. It's mm-hmm. awesome. I love it. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, we're talking about a guy who was three-time all-first-team Big Ten, right? Won the Remington Trophy. Remington. As the best center in college football. By the way, was there any chance you were going anywhere other than Ohio State? <laughs> right. Considering you grew up outside Columbus? Uh, that was always my goal was to go there, but getting recruited and stuff, it kind of – a few things had to align for me to actually get that scholarship. It was when Coach Trestle actually resigned and we had a bunch of players that pulled out opened up a bunch of spots and then Luke Fickle was the interim head coach and he's a four-time state champ wrestler and I was a wrestler in high school so we had a connection there and he gave me a a scholarship offer and ended up just falling into place and then after that I played for Urban for five years Uh, but yeah I had a great time in college too staying in my hometown and um, yeah all that stuff It it was a lot of fun. So talk to me about the wrestling, because that's fascinating to me as well. There's been a lot of football players that are also very good wrestlers. What did that teach you, and how did that transfer to the game of football? Yeah, there's a, a lot of things that transfer. It's, it's a tough sport, so it, I think it can help with mental resilience. Um, the work ethic no it doubt. takes. Yeah, the work ethic it takes to, you know, going through those workouts and training and Honestly, being one-on-one and taking the wins, taking the losses, bouncing back, and just I think just playing other sports can help with athletic ability, just no matter what it is. You know, it may not transfer directly over to offensive line play, but I think being a good athlete what helps offensive line play. So, yeah, I think it helped a lot, and it was a lot of fun. Had a good time. Very cool. A lot of fun, yeah. Which training is harder? Pat Elfline is our guest, Cardinal Center. Because the wrestlers always say their training regimen is tougher than football. Then football guys always squawk back. Man, it's just they're they're both different sports. Both both have a they're both very well respected and tough. And they're just a little different. Each one's different. So you go mano a mano in wrestling. Is that kind of akin to O line D line? Those drills out there. Talk talk about the essence of the O line D line drill in a training camp. Because honestly, at this point, it is the highlight of camp here in 2023. 
yeah, it's a battle. I mean, it's, you know, most of the time you're one-on-one with that guy and he's trying to get to the quarterback or trying to tackle the carrier and you have to prevent that or, you know, take him the other way. So, yeah, a lot of times you are one-on-one and, man, it's it's just a battle. You or him, who's it going to be? But yeah, the good thing yeah. is you have about 65 bouts in a play, you know, so if you win or lose one, you got to be ready to go right to the next one or not in a play in, in a game. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. You got to be ready to go the next one. Yeah, you know, and everybody's watching, too. That's what it's so, you know, and you're, you're there. It's like we're going to send out our warrior. You send out your warrior. And everyone else is watching you, right? I mean, it just it, – it's The so, GM, the head coach, they walked out. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. It's one of the things I absolutely love about the game of football. It is brutal. There is no denying that right now. Okay, Pat, what's your, what's your weight at right now? Weight's about 305. 305. Okay, pounds. where do you want to be? You look good. You look good. You look yeah. good. Yeah, you want to be at 305? You yeah. want to be heavier, lighter? 305 is a good operating weight for me. That's where I've been for a lot of my career. 305, I feel like I can move well and still have some power. Uh, but, yeah, I like, I like that weight. That's a good way for me to perform at. Why do you think this offense is a good fit for your sc- your skill set? Man, we just have so many weapons on this offense. We can run so many different schemes. Man, it's just it's a in Drew. He's very very smart. So you know the game plan it'll it will adjust you know to attack weaknesses and and highlight our players. So there's just a lot of great minds and a lot of great players on this offense. They talk about the center being the quarterback of the offensive line. What can you show in a game that you can't show in practice? Meaning, I'm guessing your football IQ and your seven years of experience has to shine through to some degree once you get into a game situation. Yeah, I mean, I've had a few years playing here in the league. You see patterns kind of reoccurring, um, and it's kind of, I mean, you study so much, go through so much practice that sometimes those patterns are like ingrained in your brain and how you look at a defense when you approach the ball. So sometimes you can just, things are tipped off a little quicker but still, you just you got to study and know what teams like to do, what they're trying to do, what we're trying to do, how they're going to stop us. It's a lot of things that go into it, but you know, with just reps over time, you just get a little more comfortable seeing and reading defenses and rotation and stuff like that. Okay, Pat, power scheme or zone scheme? If you had to pick one, what do you love? I love them both, man. You, you do. You, you like that? Yeah, I like back blocking. I like reaching shades. I like B blocking. I like, man. Yeah, any of them, man. And the great thing about that is Drew Petzing in this offense, they're going to do both. Yeah, yeah. Which Drew, is nice. Yeah, Drew, uh, he's he's a very smart guy, and um, he's definitely mixing things around, and we're running different schemes, and um, it's it's going really good. I like, the, I like where it's going. I believe something has happened in camp with the O-line that we've never seen before, Wolf. Okay? Okay, Paul. True or false? Have you ever seen the center and the guard Switch positions, snap to snap. <laughs> the same drive, the same huddle. I mean, boom, up, because you and John Gaines, on one snap, on the same drive, the same possession, you're playing center, and then the next snap, you're playing guard, and he's playing center. Yep. That's unusual, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but uh, I think like Drew was saying, we're, we're trying to find the best five, you know, we're mixing guys around, and when you're in the NFL, especially an interior lineman, usually you have to be able to play all three, because um, I think you carry about eight offensive line yeah. on game day so sometimes you know the backup guard might play center and and vice versa so yeah we're switching that around and and making sure everyone can play everywhere i think i know the answer to this question but center or guard which do you prefer 
honestly, either any way I can help this team, wherever I can help this team at, is is where I want to where I want to play. Whether it's center or guard, um, just want to go out there. And there's there's more responsibility at center though, isn't it, in regard to making calls? Correct. Yeah, there is. You got to make sure everyone's on the same page when you're playing center, and if you see something, you got to alert the whole line so everyone knows. You got to be vocal. Um, you got you definitely have to be a leader out there when you have the ball in your hand. Does your do your responsibilities change at center? Whether it's 14 year veteran Colt McCoy or a rookie quarterback, meaning is there more on your plate if all of a sudden the rookie is in the game? Um, I mean, I think the system is set up to where, you know, we can all operate in, in the system like pretty efficiently, you know. But yeah, everyone's got to be on, this, on, on their stuff. The quarterback's got to know his stuff. Center's got to know, and they got to communicate out off the field in meetings and, and get that all dialed in on the same page. So when you do go out there on game day, you're all speaking the same language. And that's just part of training camp, learning that, learning the language, how to communicate back and forth. Um, but we spend a lot of time meeting and, and doing walkthroughs and practice where by the time we're playing games, it's it's like clockwork on how we communicate. You know, speaking of game day right there, do you have a game day tradition that you always do? Do you have anything, how you prepare to get ready for a game? Do you have any habits on game day? Um, I'm not too superstitious on okay. game day. Just because a lot of things can happen before the game, and I don't want that to like really mess with my routine. Yeah. But I do have a routine to get my body ready. You know, I say I hit the hit a cold plunge, hit the hot tub. Um, you know, stretch out my ankles up to my hips, and you know, kind of get everything activated. And once everything feels ready, then maybe go take a few pass sets, a couple run get offs, and let's go play. But yeah, just making sure the body's ready, mind's ready, and. Yeah. Do you listen to any music before a game? Do you have a tradition of listening? To yeah, music? I listen to music. I listen to all types of stuff. Anything that just makes me feel good. It doesn't have to be one type of okay. music. So yeah. yeah, anything from country to rap to uh, <laughs> rock and roll. To you got it all covered. Got it all covered. Listening to all of it. So Wolf in his in his in his earlier days used to ride a Harley. Oh, okay. Nice. Our Jim Omahunter just did a quick Google search on Pickerington, Ohio. It's known for having the Motorcycle Hall of Fame. <laughs> Do you ride? I don't ride. Um, I've ridden one time in high school. My brother had a bike. Um, but, yeah, they, they've got that, that motorcycle museum there. I've been there one time when I was a younger kid. So, uh, as we, by the way, as we come full circle on Ohio State, give us a quick word on Paris Johnson Jr. and what you see from the sixth pick overall. What is his upside? He, the guy's a monster. Um, he's got great energy, loves the game. He's strong. He's fast. Um, he's what you want, and you know, in an offensive tackle. Um, he's a young guy. He's, you know, he's he's learning every day. He's asking questions. He's eager to get better. So he's definitely uh, he's he's a monster. Has there been anyone else in that offensive line room that has really caught your attention? Man, there's just a, a bunch of really good dudes in that room from top to bottom, starting with DJ, he's just a great leader. Uh, Kelvin Beecham's a guy who's been around, veteran guy, played a lot of football. Um, yeah, man, all the way down to you know Paris, the rookie, and John Gaines, and everyone in between. Mm-hmm. It's just really good people. We're all out there trying to get better. Well, you've got no bigger fan of the O-line than Ron Wolfley. <laughs> he, he secretly always wanted to be an offensive lineman. Forget fullback. Well, well my, my older brother Craig played in the NFL for 12 years and was a left guard. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so. Yeah, so you are, yeah, that's a. 
Absolutely. It's a job. It's a job. Runs in the family. <laughs> runs in the family, man. Yep. That's awesome. That's a lot of fun. A lot of football still to be played in the preseason. A lot to be decided on the O-line. So best of luck, Pat. Appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Thanks for having me on. Yes. There you go. Thanks. Pat Elfline, Cardinals offensive lineman. We continue with the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Dalton in the gun. Third down and eight from the Arizona 10. Taysom Hill in the slot right back to throw Dalton. Looking over the middle, throws back of the end zone, and it's picked off. Antonio Hamilton in the back of the end zone with the interception. He takes a knee, and the Cardinals get a takeaway. Yeah, Antonio Hamilton. What a great break on the ball underneath Andy Dalton. Read his eyes and was there for the pick. Antonio Hamilton will never forget that interception. His first career NFL pick, year seven. I won't forget it just being down on the sideline because he immediately went to the stands and he's looking and he's waving and he's motioning and finally his wife came down to the rail and he gave her the ball because you remember what happened at the end of training camp. That's right, Paul. Where he had the tragic cooking accident and suffered near third-degree burns on his feet from hot grease that fell off of the stove and his wife was so instrumental in just getting him back not only physically but mentally and how much he credited her. So that was a very poignant moment last season for Antonio Hamilton as we wrap up this edition of the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. It's one of those reasons why I root for Antonio Hamilton, Paul. I really do. He's taken the long and winding road to the National Football League, and Antonio Hamilton is a guy that's been through an awful lot, and yet here he is. It's interesting. The Arizona Cardinals released their depth chart, and Antonio Hamilton, first team, opposite opposite of Marco Wilson. Despite basically getting no first-team reps yeah. during the public portion that we can view, we haven't really seen him run with the one. So I have two theories. Number one, he's a known, and they've just been running Christian Matthew and Keetrell Clark with the first team to figure that out. Or number two, Keetrell Clark and Christian Matthew are so closely contested, they didn't want to put one over the other. And so they elevated Antonio Hamilton to the – Interesting. But the day that depth chart came out, he had another pick six in practice. And 11 on 11, he picked off Jeff, Jeff Driscoll, and it was just he gone, and sure enough. So – I just want to say this quickly, Bully. You know, first-time head coach and his staff right now, that first depth chart, I'm going to read into that. I'm going to read into that a little bit. You're going to try to poke some people, I think. And maybe this is what they're trying to do right here. LJ Collier was one of the guys. He's on the first team right there. The three down linemen that you're going to use. LJ Collier was one of those guys. And uh, maybe they're trying to poke or prod somebody else. I don't know. But I read into it a first-year head coach in the depth chart. Uh, Rashard Lawrence, who's 13. <laughs> yeah. Maybe there's yeah. Uh, my J. Sanders, 13. Maybe they're trying to send – you're absolutely right. And it's no coincidence, I don't think, you've been there and done that, but the day the depth chart came out, it was the – let's just say it was a very chippy, edgy practice. <laughs> I think a lot of guys on the back end of that depth chart said, I better come out here swinging. I better come out here and That's make right. a statement. Yep. And that cornerback room is closely, hotly contested. In fact, the defensive coordinator, Nick Rollis, was asked, all right, where does everything stand opposite of Marco Wilson? That corner competition is really good right now, right? And and people are going to show when we play against Denver and, and throughout training camp, you know, who's going to emerge and, and take certain roles, right? Starting role, nickel spot, backup role, whatever those spots are, you know, get to dime, stuff like that. And I don't, I want to never say like, ah, oh, we know what this guy is. Let's, no, it's not that. Everybody can improve 
certain aspects of their game. And as coaches, that's our job is to get everyone to hit their ceiling, whether they've been in the league for a long time or they're a rookie. This is where you win the job, I think. You can't win the job in practice. You can lose the job in practice yeah. if you're a disaster, if you're getting consistently beat. But I think you have to win the job in a game setting, especially if you're a younger guy. You better prove it during these three preseason games. See, that, that was the magic word right there, younger guy, or words, I should say. Yes, younger guy. You've got to prove it, Polly. That's what you've got to do right now. And the only way you can really do that is when the silks go on, man. Tomorrow night, the silks go on. And, of course, the lights are on. You step in between those white lines, and it's go time. Yeah, that's where you want to see younger guys guys really stake their claim on the depth chart, really stake their claim as to what kind of player they're going to be because practice is going to be practice. It just is. You're not going to go 100%. But now when you go live and there's live tackling and there's live blocking and you're trying to beat another man, keep him from doing his job, oh, man. It changes everything, and that's what these guys are going to be watching tomorrow night. You know Calvisi Consulting has come up with two slogans for this season. Number one, 2023 dip for a 2024 rip. Okay, that's okay. one of them. And, and, and there's, then there's how you get there. I like that one, Paul. Which is the second one, no allegiances. Bill Belichick has no days off. I think it's no allegiances. <laughs> and, and one position group we haven't talked a lot about, and really, it's my fault, but if you look at inside linebacker, Kaiser White, he's the man. He's your Mike. He knows the defense, okay? But then after that, you got Chris Barnes and Josh Woods. Josh Woods is on this team, I think, for special teams alone, Lions captain in that category a year ago. But after that, a Zeke Turner versus a draft pick like Owen Papo. Yes. Or even the undrafted ASU kid, Kyle Soley, who I know is really impressed so far, three-time ASU team captain. He's fared well. Uh, you know, there are certain position groups where we might get some surprises. You know, that's interesting, Polly, because I see all six of those guys somehow, some way being on this team. Wow. <laughs> special teams? Special teams. Because of the, the special teams, I do. And the practice squad. The practice squad, Paul. I think that's also something that we've got to keep in mind as well right here. But I am really interested to see how often there isn't another inside linebacker inside that box. I really am because, you know, so much of the time, as we all know, Jonathan Gannon, when he was a defensive coordinator with the Philadelphia Eagles, a lot of the time they would go solid in the middle. They'd cover the center and the two guards. That's what they would do. They'd cover them with defensive linemen. And then they'd have two edges on the outside, and it's going to be Zavin, of course, and Gardak, the barbarian. It's going to be those two guys. And then Kaiser White right in the middle. It's a, it's a six-man box. That's what it is against 11 personnel. But when are they going to put another linebacker inside that box? Is it going to be against 12 personnel as soon as they see two tight ends come onto the field? Is that what they'll do? I can't wait to see that as well. So if it's a six-man box, five DBs, a nickel with the three safeties, and then either a Booter or a Jalen Thompson or even Isaiah Simmons could drop down into the box. Yes, needed, correct? exactly right. Okay. Interesting. So now on offense, you spent 10 years in a running back room. What do you make of the competition behind James Conner? Marlon Mack, by the way, out for the season with a torn Achilles. That really stinks. He was only on the field less than a week. He really looked good, too. But he's done for the season. Just what are you making? How wide open is that competition? Yeah, I think it's wide open uh, behind James Conner, of course. Uh, Keontae Ingram has not solidified that backup role yet. I love Keontae Ingram. 
I, I think there's a little something there. I do. I'm, I agree. I'm hoping that he, he's going to get healthy and he's going to be given the opportunity to nail that down because I really do like what I saw from Corey Clement. Very interesting to see how they're using him, not just as a running back, but as a fullback. Corey Clement. When they go 22 personnel or 21 personnel, which they have done, two backs in the backfield, guess who's playing the fullback position? It's Corey Clement. Mm. Now look, Paul, as we all know right now, metaphorically speaking, he's a dumpster with ears. You know what I mean? He's 5'10", 220. He's 5'10", 220, Paul. Do you have any idea how thick a dude is when he's 5'10", 220 and how easy he can get under somebody and just hammer him right in the chin? Uh, yeah, very interesting to see Corey Clement doing that. If he ever got to 5'10", 230, he could play the position. Hey, don't sleep on my Pauly Pigskin breakout player at camp, by the way. Amari DiMercato, the TCU rookie undrafted kid. I, we don't you know were high on him, now yep. all of a sudden you were low on him. Well, Are you yeah. high on him again? We'll bet, we'll bet, we'll see. It's been a fluctuating power poll with him. We'll see if he breaks some tackles tomorrow night against the Broncos. <laughs> okay, special thanks as always, Jim Almohundro, Cody Fincher. Ali Narini. How about how about our guest, by the way, Pat Elfline? How about that handshake? Oh, how, my goodness. How about goodness. those mitts on that guy? you got to love that right there. <laughs> Son of a Mason. Hey, single game tickets on sale again, by the way, easycardinals.com slash buy tickets to secure your seats today. Cardinals and Broncos tomorrow night from State Farm Stadium for Ron Wolfie on Paul Calvisi. This has been the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Number one, Kyler. You've been listening to The Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800-STATE-FARM. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club.